If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What? Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a 1,000 at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. What are the rules? What are they? What should they be? Are the rules now set in stone forever? Should rules change from time to time? 
What are the rules for your life? You personally, you have a set of guidelines that you try to follow. I'm sure you fail because you're human. You have a certain set of priorities, a set of things. I will do this. I won't do that. Or setting that aside because, I, like I said, I know you've screwed, screwed up plenty. Look, if I have, then you have. <laughs> Wait, Chris. A set of things in your life you want to do or a certain set of things in life you don't want to do. I believe it is important to work hard. I definitely don't ever want to murder somebody. And then a whole bunch of things in between, right? I think it is really, really important to be a good mother or father for my kids. Boy, I really hope I never do math. Okay, that's you as a person. Now, your society, your neighborhood, town, state, country, however you want to view it, your society, what are their rules for society as a whole? Are they set in stone or do they change? And along the lines of something we've talked about before and we will talk about again, let me ask you something. What are you willing to do personally to make sure you live in the society that holds up the values you treasure? Okay, setting you personally aside, what are you willing to allow others to do on your behalf to ensure you live in the society you want? But what is, in your mind, the worst society out there? You know, maybe we shouldn't dig into that too much today. But look, let's do it. Look, China, even if they're not the worst, I'm sure there's probably some smaller ones. I'm th- I'm North Korea is probably obviously what North Korea is probably an even better example. You know what North Korea is like vaguely. You know, there are people starving to death all over the place. Regular civilians. You know, they have. Active concentration camps all over North Korea. And if you've ever heard the stories about the forced labor camps and what they do to these people and how they do it and how these people risk everything to escape sometimes and sometimes they don't because, oh, oh, you want to escape? Oh, that's fine. We obviously have a record of uh, your wife and kids and cousins. We're just going to go kill all them. That's not some Nazi horror film. That's today. Complete nightmare. I mean, it's a great conservative talking point about freedom versus tyranny, but it's heartbreaking when you think about it. There's a picture out there. I'm sure you can Google image search this of... North Korea and South Korea at night. Obviously, they're attached. And you see South Korea. And look, it's out there. It's a real image. And there's South Korea lit up, beautiful, free. And there's North Korea, just black. 
Okay, let's say that's the worst society out there. It's certainly in the running. Do you want to live in that kind of society? No. The answer is obviously no, right? What would you do to make sure you, your kids, their kids, their kids, their kids, and their kids didn't have to live in that kind of society? Again, I'm not just talking about you. What would you do to make sure your people never had to live there? What would you allow somebody to do on your behalf to make sure nobody in your family ever had to live there? Oh, I'd do a lot. I'd, uh, I'd pick up a weapon and, and go fight. Okay, good. I'm glad, I'm glad you're in that mindset. Me too. Who would you fight? Enemy troops? Of course you would. Good for you. Good for you. Enemy troops. Women? Children? Could you walk across the street now to your neighbor's home, kick in his door, kill his family, burn down his house if it meant avoiding living in North Korea? You know... It's Columbus Day today, or Indigenous Peoples Day if you're in San Francisco. But I did think it was appropriate we touched on some Indian stuff today because you know I love Indian tribes. I geek out on that stuff while not presenting them as these saintly nobles and the the evil Europeans. they, They were all good and they were all bad, and we'll cover that today. But I thought it would be appropriate for today to talk a little bit about the Revolutionary War, and America's hero on our dollar bill, George Washington. You know George Washington. Did you know he spent an hour on his knees in prayer every single day? That humble, that devout. And did you know he wiped out an entire Indian confederation, including women and children, on purpose? in order for you to live in the free country you live in? Didn't know that, did you? And let me obviously be very clear about something. I'm not saying he was wrong. I'm not even necessarily saying he was right. Back to what I asked at the very beginning of the show, what are the rules? What is right and wrong when it comes to societies and what you're willing to do and what you're willing to to endure to live in the kind of place you want. I, I It's easy for me to sit here and tell you if it meant that my kids and the next 10 generations after them could live in America versus North Korea, I would do anything. It's so easy to say, isn't it? I would do anything. It's a little different when you're thinking about staring a five-year-old in the face as you pull the trigger. If that sounds ugly, that's because it's ugly. And not only that, this 
war against the Iroquois Confederacy. It was here. It was home. They were neighbors. It gets ugly. Now, let us set up where we are at this point in time because this is actually the year 1779. So the war has been going on. The British, frustrated, is putting it mildly. Here's the situation the British are in. They have just changed commanders of their North American forces. They had a guy named Howe. They've chosen a guy named Clinton. Why? Well, I'll explain. I've got an animal inside of me. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. You have to have an auto protection plan these days. I I don't have another way to put it. Uh, a couple of my buddies are mechanics, as you well know. It's a, just one of those fields that has changed, as they've said. And look, let me just put it to you frankly. They've told me flat out, with the advanced technology now in these vehicles... It just is going to cost a fortune now and in the future to fix your car. That's why every time your car has broken down in recent years, you've been shocked by the sticker price. So get an auto protection plan from CarShield. They're America's number one auto protection company. They have a whole bunch of plans. They even have flexible payments. I mean, geez, you pick the mechanic. Go to carshield.com. That's carshield.com. Don't forget to use the code JESSE. Saves you 10%. A deductible may apply. Why did the British commander Howe get fired and why did Clinton get hired? Remember, whenever we talk about the American Revolution, it is this humongous world event and critically important for history now. As we look back on it now, at the time, here's what it was. It was an extension of the everlasting battle between British, between Britain, France, Spain, unless they're so Portugal, they were South America, but Britain, France, and Spain to simply control a new wealthy colony. That's all it was. They're trying to control a colony. They're trying to gain a foothold in a colony. They're trying to push their people into the colony on purpose, on purpose, because remember, as we talked about it during the Lewis and Clark show, 
even once they bought the Louisiana Purchase, they really wanted to push Americans out there because possession is nine-tenths of the law. It really doesn't become yours until your people occupy it, build cities, commerce, forts, so on and so forth. The Americans were in America because the Brits wanted them there. Yes, go. It'll help us keep the place. And remember, we've talked about these colonial powers a million times and always will because they're so important for building our modern, modern world. Britain knew this place was valuable. They knew they wanted to hang on to it. They did know these, uh, these people we've sent over here are a bit rambunctious. That's kind of what made us a little different was this. Britain didn't just show up to a bunch of people who were already here and say, all right, look, hey, we're going to give you some food and blankets and whatnot. Obviously, we're going to demand some military people if we need it. But you got protection and we got there was a trade off. You know, we've talked about the colonial trade off. No, 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 no. Britain told their own people. Anyone want to go to America? I mean, it's wild. You might die in the winter or of disease or something, but anyone want to go? Who steps up to go? There's a reason America had that freedom DNA. What kind of people step up and say, oh, I'll cross the Atlantic into the great unknown for a chance at being free? So you occupied it with all your people who had that DNA. We rebel. I'm not going to go over all that today. But long story short, by 1779, Britain is very, very frustrated by the slow pace, if you will, of the war. Now, it's not like they're out there taking huge military losses. They're not. We don't have the ability, really, to deal them huge military losses. They are far superior to us militarily. Men supplies the works. We are, you know, we have allies, France and Spain. We'll get to that in a second. Spain less so, but France and Spain. But the plan is this. The Brits, they want to win this thing, and they want to win it fairly quickly because it looks terrible for a colonial power to not be able to put down a rebellion. This was not a the great American revolution to them. These were British subjects who were rebelling. It must be put down and it should be easy, right? We are the this is this is Britain at the height of its power. Only it's turning out to not be easy. And that's when it gets frustrating when expectation levels go way high. These Americans are a little resilient. These Americans, led by Washington very cleverly, will not come out and just fight in these big pitched battles. Let us slap you around once or twice, and then we'll all come back together again. No, 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 no. George Washington knows he cannot lose mass amounts of people in one pitched battle, so he simply doesn't fight it. The Brits have this whole New York area. You know, think New York City. It's a little more than that, but think New York City. They have it. They own it. It's all theirs. Washington is staying in the rural areas outside of there and simply will never engage the British in a big fight. This is very frustrating for Britain. And here's the great part. It's not for Washington. 
remember what are our overarching lessons history always tells us it's very 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 hard to fight and win wars on someone else's soil i don't care what the technological difference is or anything else it's very difficult why would george washington be in a hurry he lives here he doesn't have any pride at stake either He doesn't have anybody breathing down his neck. You should have beat the British yesterday. The fact he's still alive is pretty much thrilling everybody over here. Meanwhile, the Brits have people breathing down their necks. General, why haven't you won? General, why are we still there? General, you see what I mean? They have expectations. Britain also doesn't want to be here. They have, remember, this is only one of many colonies Britain has at the time. They don't have the manpower, the resources to continue to fight this never-ending slog with these freaking Americans who will not just give up. And back to Spain and France, mainly France. I need to stop throwing Spain in there as if they were equal partners in this whole thing. The useless Spanish, they, they had, here was the situation. Remember, this is after the Seven Years' War or French and Indian War, depending on whatever you want to call it, this is after that. Remember what happened during that war. Britain won, and Britain essentially took all of the North American colonies from France and Spain. That's way oversimplifying it. They didn't take all of them, but that's what you need to think. France and Spain are still real sore about that because this is a lucrative, gigantic new colony, this North America, and they went in. So they're joining us. Now you're the Brits. What do you have on your side? Well, you have a bunch of things on your side, all the money, power, troops, technology. And you really have so many of the Indian tribes on your side. Not all, but so many of them. Remember, Britain very much knew how to colonize a place and colonize it, I don't want to say peacefully, but relatively peacefully, They'd been moving into tribal people's places all over the world and figuring out a system that works for everybody. Look, your chief's going to be a kind of our chief now, but we're going to improve your quality of life, protect you, you help us out. And there's a big confederacy of six Indian tribes in the Northeast called the Iroquois Confederacy. It should be noted, this is not important to our story but two of them eventually slipped away and just fought with us and loved us more. But the other four were all about the Brits. And in defense of the Iroquois Confederacy, before you go, those dirty, traitorous Indians, remember, until the American Revolution, we were all Brits. In their mind, they had a treaty with all of us, with the American colonies, with Britain over in Britain, because it's all one big country. It was, frankly, news to them. Wait, you're fighting against who? Wait, that's you. What do you mean you're fighting against you? But the Brits, they were excellent at this everywhere in the world, not just here. They were excellent at using what the native peoples they took over did really well. And what did the Iroquois Confederacy do well? Indian tribes in general? Hang on.
as I told you, I'm looking to get a house. I'm looking to possibly get a house, I guess I should say. And I've done this before. I bought plenty of vehicles before, plenty of homes before. And what is the first step every single time? Every time. You have to get that pre-approval letter before you put in an offer. What's the first step? Credit check. You may not think it's nice. You may not wish it was this way, but it is a fact of life. Any significant purchase you make in your life will involve a credit check. And if you go to ScoreMaster and raise your credit score 61 points, which is an average for ScoreMaster users, you can save $100,000 on that loan. Go to scoremaster.com slash jesse. That's scoremaster.com slash jesse. Like I said, the British were very, very, very good at the colonization thing. And they knew how to use the people there to their advantage. Now, I need to clarify again. That's not a rip on the British. The British, it's not a rip on the Indians. It's not a rip on the British. It's not a rip on the Americans. It was simply the reality of life. The Brits were really good at this. They knew what they were doing. And the Brits were constantly, this need, this really needs to be pointed out, constantly taking their relationship with the Indians here and using it to make life a living hell for the Americans. Using that relationship, twisting the knife, or just flat out abandoning them Remember, a big part of why we even fought a revolution, it wasn't just taxation without representation. It was because the Brits, as part of the colonial deal, you know, was to protect us. The Brits stopped doing that and just left Americans vulnerable to the Indian tribes. So there was already enough tension there. And now the Brits decided, well, we got these Indian friends, the Iroquois, and what are they really good at? They're really good at not necessarily open, huge combat. The Indians didn't fight that way. They were outstanding at guerrilla tactics. Obviously, when you live, work, and worship as they did, you're really good making your way silently, doing you know guerrilla warfare type stuff. Some might even call it terror type stuff. I don't necessarily go for that. I mean, I don't know what, again... I geek out on the Indian tribes. I don't know what you wanted them to do. They can't. They don't have the technology or resources to stand up in front of you and exchange musket fire. They're not doing that. And there was another aspect to tribal warfare, and that was kidnap, murder, rape of civilians. They didn't necessarily think of people that way. And I hate to ever defend things like that, but again, that's how the Indians fought. And it wasn't just like they fought that against us because they didn't like us. That's how they fought against each other all the time. It was not uncommon. 
uh, you and 20 of your you know other young men get together and you go raid an Indian village with people you dislike and you take their women and children with you as captives if you don't kill them. And some you do kill, and you kill them in gruesome ways, so the other tribes will fear you. These are not, and again, this is not universal with every Indian tribe, but these were common things, and it's what they were good at. And these stories, by now, were well known with the Americans and spread around, and every single American anywhere in the country knew about Indians and the atrocities and things Indian tribes would do. They did. It was it was just a, it's hard for us to wrap our mind around it because all of America is settled now. But I want you to imagine the next state over has vast areas of land where there are some tribal peoples there and you have heard stories about these tribal peoples coming down out of the hills and kidnapping women and children and and burning them alive. That would be wild, right? Well, that was life in America back then. That was the life. They had areas like Pennsylvania, which we'll get to, which were considered to be, that was the frontier. That was the Wild West. And if you went out there, buddy, you better have some friends in a musket because it can get real dangerous out there. And I need to clarify here. All the relationships between the Americans and the Indians were not bad, not by a long shot. We had so many friends and so many good relationships and so many bad relationships. That's just the nature of the beast. That's the nature of the beast. In fact, if you want to know why two of the six tribes in the Iroquois Confederacy were on our side, it was because of a missionary. There was an American missionary who had been, you know, preaching to the Indians and got to know them so well, just a really great dude, and the tribes loved him and loved us, and we just got along good. But the Brits turn to the other four tribes of the Iroquois Confederacy, and they tell them, well, it's time for you to go do your raids on these Americans. We want to make these Americans on the frontier where Washington is. We want to make these American civilians feel fear. We want to make them think, oh, George Washington won't protect us from these Indian tribes. And they begin. And uh, I hate to defend the Iroquois here, but the Iroquois did have a treaty, a signed treaty with the British. And when they signed it, remember, that meant everyone in America, too. But they eventually figure out there's a war here, and the Brits, who they signed a treaty with, approached them and said, uh, yeah, we need you to go rape and pillage a bit. The Iroquois did what their treaty required them to do. And don't, look, I'm not going to act like they were ho-hum about it. Oh, we really not, we're not comfortable with that, but okay. They were more than happy to do so. And they begin doing the things that you can picture in your mind to Americans. George Washington cannot afford to lose control of his frontier. That's his power base. He will lose the war if he does. George Washington. Look, look, you can read the letter yourself. I thought about reading it on the air. I won't. But issues very specific orders. There's no sugarcoating it. 
He grabs some of his officers and says, go terrorize these people. Because while the men, the Iroquois men, were out doing their raiding, the Iroquois who did have established villages, they left those villages undefended. And George Washington was infamous for doing that thing that all great generals do, that old Sun Tzu saying, do not attack what is strong, attack what is weak. If you're George Washington and the Iroquois men are raiding your countryside and pillaging your people, you're not going to go chase down a bunch of Indian warriors through the woods. You probably won't be able to find them anyway. You just go knocking on that door of that village and say, who's going to die today? Oh, and all your homes are burnt down. Oh, and we're taking all of your possessions that we don't burn alive. We raised the Iroquois Confederacy to the ground. Women and children. Many died. Many died. Almost all of them left completely wiped out and impoverished. Now, there was a fort there, a critical fort for the Brits called Fort Niagara. Okay? The Iroquois have a treaty with the Brits. The Iroquois men come back home from their raiding and find out George Washington has virtually destroyed their civilization. And I don't want you to picture him walking into a village or his men walking into the village and burning a couple huts and giving a sternly worded warning. We are talking destroying crops, intentionally starving villages to death. That kind of image you see in the movies these days, child holding a toy, crying as, as the evil soldiers ride off having burnt everything down. That's what our side did. Now back to this Fort Niagara. Hang on, I'll explain Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. I'm not sure if you've heard this. Hang on. Let me check my watch here. Yep. It's October 12th today. You know what's coming, right? We have an election coming. Not even a month away. Do you have any idea what's going to happen to all that money of yours that's all in stocks and bonds if this election goes away the market doesn't want it to go look at history and go get a gold ira now not tomorrow not after breakfast now go to goldalliance.com slash jesse gold alliance has an a plus rating with the better business bureau they will make this easy for you they will but they can't do that if you don't go go to goldalliance.com slash jesse That's goldalliance.com slash jesse. 
go today. Fort Niagara was a critical, critical fort for the British. Critical fort. Now, why were forts critical? I think we need to dwell on this for just a moment before we wrap this up. We talk a lot about forts because forts were around really until World War I. Remember, the history of mankind is a history of fortresses. World War One and the new artillery that could just incinerate a fort. World War One was really the end of their relevance. But pre World War One, history is forts everywhere. Why? Well, yes, part of it is the walls. That's obviously nice, but forts become a gigantic, protected Walmart. Now, that's a really simple way to put it, but think about this. We're dealing with frontier here. We are not dealing with civilization here in many cases. We're dealing with the frontier. If you want, I mean, it doesn't even have to be, you know, the Indians are coming. Hide me in the fort. If you want some basics, sugar. You, you just built a cabin and you need a window. You're going to the fort. Forts were a central hub of society, period. And they were huge supply depots for the army. As you, can't, you can't properly protect the amount of things you have to protect in order to fight wars. We have uh, 10,000 crates of musket balls. You send them into the fort. We have a bunch of food for the troops. You send them into the fort. You need forts badly. They're everything. We were always building them. The Brits were always building them. They're everything. You need your fort to be running well, too. The fort commanders were instrumental. Now, they didn't get the glory necessarily of the guys out there fighting pitched battles, but you needed your fort commander to be a logistical stud. All right, this is coming in here. This has to be parked here. This has to be ready for these guys. And think of the legit. I know it's boring, but it's something that matters because you don't think about it. Think of the logistics involved in shipping things when everything could only move at the speed of a horse. Okay, this is a fort. This is way. This is not how it worked. But all right, there's a fort here in uh, uh, here in Illinois. We have a fort in Illinois. We have to send a bunch of musket balls to Tennessee, and they have to be here by this time to meet this army. But we also have to send a bunch of uh, food to Arizona, and it has to be here by this time to meet this army. So you see what I mean? When things take days, weeks to travel places. You have to have things snappy, organized, on point, communication. And during wartime like this, your forts have to really be humming and humming well. A real machine. 
Fort Niagara, that important fort for the Brits. Guess what they were doing at this time? They were busy dealing with the massive influx of Iroquois Confederacy refugee Indians who were now starving to death because George Washington burned them all out. This is, I'm not going to say one of the, you know, top two things that won the war. This is on the list of critical things that helped America win the American Revolution and go on to be leader of the free world, creator of all this prosperity, the standard of living you and I luxuriate in every single day. It was built on things like this. So allow us to rewind one more time and ask what I asked you at the beginning. What are you willing to do to live in that society? What are the rules? What should the rules be? I don't expect you to be comfortable burning out and killing women and children out of villages. That is, I'll tell you, I don't know if I could do it. I don't think I could do it. I mean, if it's a bunch of dudes, yeah, I could do that. That's no problem. But women and kids, man, that's 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 tough for me. As big of an animal, monster, soulless human being as I am, you ask me to hurt women or kids, I, I don't know that I could do it. Okay, then your response to me could easily be, fine, then you don't want to free America. No, I'm not asking you to hurt women and kids. Please don't ever, 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 ever do that for any reason whatsoever. But understand, rules of engagement change as conditions on the ground change. Rules of what is right and acceptable, they're fungible. Hang on. you know that cybercrime is up 75%? 75% since the lockdown started? That is, I heard that stat and my jaw fell open. And you know the number one cybercrime right now, I've told you before, home title theft. Your home title is not a physical item. It is digital now. And because it's digital, these cyber thieves... They are licking their chops thinking about getting their hands on it. If they get a hold of your home title, they will forge your signature on it, take a loan out against it, and you have to pay that loan back. You have to pay that loan back. Your home insurance isn't going to do it. You are. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and start protecting yourself. It's the only way to protect yourself from it. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the code RADIO. Get you 30 days for free.
We have another dead Trump supporter. Denver this week. I'll go over some details here in a minute. This is now a pattern. This is now a thing. Four years. Four years of assaults and murder of Trump supporters, of people on the right. And this is not about to go away anytime soon. We have a nation full of entitled little babies without any emotional control who've been told by every Democrat and every person in the media that Republicans are all Nazis. You take a bunch of mentally unbalanced people and tell them they're fighting Nazis, they're going to commit acts of violence. Time to adjust some rules. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Suspect in Denver shooting near dueling rallies wasn't licensed as a, as, a, as a security guard, officials say. Just a heads up, this is how this went down timeline-wise. Of course, the uh, American media is so rancid, so committed to protecting leftists at every turn and pretending people on the right are a bunch of violent white supremacists that you can never believe anything, anything. Everything they tell you is a lie. Immediately after this shooting, there was a Trump supporter there with bear mace. I don't know all the details. I've seen the little video snippets. He's spraying some bear mace at somebody. Clearly there was an argument. And then this leftist nutball pulls out a weapon and shoots him in the eye, dead. Which you don't do if somebody's shooting bear spray at you. But immediately after he gets shot, people who were at the rally were saying, this is an Antifa guy who shot the Trump supporter. And the media went running right out there and said, no, 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 it's, uh, uh, it's not an Antifa guy. In fact, it's, it's not only not an Antifa guy, this is a licensed security guard. In fact, not only is he security guard, he's part of the Pinkerton Detective Agency. Yeah, none of that's true. Of course, none of that's true at all. This is from 9news.com. Records show the man being held for investigation in the deadly shooting near dueling demonstrators in Denver on Saturday was working as a security guard but not properly licensed. Matthew Doloff, 30, was contracted through the company Pinkerton by 9news. It has been the practice of 9news 
for a number of months to contract private security to accompany staff at protests. Pinkerton, however, says it does not actually employ Doloff. Pinkerton did not share the name of the country for which Doloff worked. Somebody's lying. Somebody's lying. Just a heads up in case you 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 did hear that right. Nine News, this Denver news outlet. They hired this guy. Doloff was arrested moments after a single gunshot rang out on the plaza between the Denver Art Museum and the city's main library. He was on Sunday. He was on Sunday being held without bail on suspicion of first-degree murder following the one following the shooting that left one man dead. According to Eric Esquidero, marketing and communications manager for the city's Department of Excise and Licenses, quote, there is no record, end quote, that Doloff had a license required by the city to work as a security guard and no evidence he had one in the past. Investigators have concluded Doloff was acting as a security guard at the time of the incident, according to a tweet from the Denver Police Department. If you're confused... Good, because it's confusing, and they're putting out bad information, and now people are lying, and now people are covering for each other, and it's about to get uglier. Hang on. It reads, in part, quote, the further further investigation has revealed that at the time of the shooting, the suspect was acting in a professional capacity as an armed security guard for a local media outlet and not a protest participant. Remember, that's from the Denver Police Department. Only it's getting murkier and murkier and murkier. And the more we find out about this guy, the more we find out this guy is a hardcore leftist. An unlicensed Hardcore leftists happen to have a weapon and happen to shoot a Trump supporter in the eye and kill him dead in Denver. And we have a police department, a news agency, covering it all up. What are we supposed to do if... All the institutions in our society are aimed at covering up for the other side. How are you and I supposed to deal with that? What are we supposed to do? I mean, you look at, look, go look at the news stories you've seen. Endless news stories about white supremacy and white supremacist violence and white supremacists and white supremacy and the rise of white supremacy and the rise of hate. And okay, that's, that's uh, obviously concerning. Uh, all right. Uh, well, it's not good to have your media pushing out something like that. There's been virtually no white supremacist violence for like decades in this country. All right, that's bad. Then we have the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Director Christopher Wray, testifying before Congress a couple weeks ago, telling congressmen that white supremacist violence is the biggest domestic terrorist threat. 
And yet, you and I have eyes. You and I can see plainly what's happening in this country. Leftists across America have spent four years killing, assaulting, and in some cases attempting to kill people on the right. You remember all this began with a hardcore leftist Bernie supporter shooting up a congressional baseball practice. You you forget about that, don't you? So we have this problem of leftist violence. Not only do we have this problem of leftist violence, we have many of these big city law enforcement agencies and federal law enforcement agencies covering up for the leftist violence. We have the media not only covering up for the leftist violence, covering up for the leftist violence and telling you people on the right are violent. The rules out here are changing. The rules out here are changing because we lost the culture war. If you're asking yourself right now, okay, that's scary, that's weird, how did it happen? Well, here's how it happened. We sent every journalist in America through an American commie education system. They went on to become journalists. They went on to become CEOs. Many went on to become Democrat politicians in these big cities, and we have decided as a culture that white supremacy is what we need to focus on. Racism! All the while, Black Lives Matter is doing acts of violence on behalf of, well, racism. The rules are changing in this country and they're not changing for the better. However, you and I are going to have to ask ourselves some very hard questions in the future about what our rules are. I don't want you to be violent. I don't want you to go out there and commit acts of violence. But you had better start preparing yourself Because these people are not about to calm down. I don't care if Joe Biden wins, Donald Trump wins, whatever. They're not about to calm down. They are mentally unstable. They do think America sucks. And they think you are a Nazi. You better get ready to get treated how a Nazi's treated. Are you ready? I don't think there's a single person out there, whatever your belief system, whatever your you know, religion, whatever your political beliefs are, whatever the case may be, there's not a single person out there today who looks around at the United States, the world, and says, oh, things are absolutely stable and should be for some time now. Nobody's saying that. Things are changing. Now, that doesn't mean you have to freak out, as I've told you many times. We just we take life as it comes. 
but you do have to take some precautions, right? I mean, you've been working. You've been setting aside money for your retirement. Are you really going to sit by as all of it gets wiped out when this market corrects? No. Go get a gold IRA as part of your portfolio. Go to goldalliance.com slash jesse. That's goldalliance.com slash jesse. can even get up to five grand in gold and silver coins. Jesse Kelly returns next. What does that mean for you? Now, I don't like to do just generalizations about things when I can get specific. Sometimes I can't really get specific. Here's what it means. I understand we all have our own story and we all have different upbringings. Don't don't ever let this modern collectivist attitude change your thinking. We are all individuals with individual stories. Not about race and all these other things. Oh, all these people did this and all these people did that. And these people had this and these people have that. And these people have oppressed and these people have been oppressed. And, and it's, you're an individual. Everyone else is an individual with an individual story. I understand you may have had anti-gun parents. Maybe you're anti-gun. Maybe you're a person who's just really unfamiliar with guns. I've run into this a lot in my travels, getting to know various people from various places. Almost all the gun culture in America is really a lot of it based on where you grew up. If you're in rural America, for the most part, You're familiar with weapons. That's just how you grew up. That's a big generalization. It's pretty true. A lot of people who grew up in cities, in or around cities, simply aren't. If your dad didn't take you hunting or your family wasn't focused on going to the range, it's not that you're anti-gun or pro-gun. You just don't know much about them. And unfamiliarity with guns can oftentimes make them super intimidating. One thing I have found consistent With all the hardcore anti-gun people, they're just very unfamiliar with them. My wife was anti-gun when we met. And we had to have a long chat about the fact, um, not only are my guns not going away, I'm getting more. Uh, You still want to get married? That's right, Chris. She She grew up a lot of her life in Canada. They weren't big on gun. But really what it came down to when I dug into it with her, and believe me, we have changed this situation now. That woman is armed and ready. But when we dug into it, what it came out, what it, what really came out was, she was just totally unfamiliar with them. I would pull out a weapon, trying to get her comfortable with them. I would pull out a weapon and just lay it on the table and show her, like this is this is a weapon. This is a uh, this kind of handgun. That alone would you could see it made her visibly nervous. You know, is it going to go off? Which now here's what's here's what's happening. You gun people. 
You're thinking, oh, my gosh, that's so stupid. I understand it's insane thinking. But you and I have to accept that's how people unfamiliar with weapons think. They think like that. It's our job to get them more comfortable with the weapons. So that was a long way of me telling you this. I told you specifics. Here it is. Whenever you are legally allowed to do so, you should have a weapon on you these days. You should first and foremost, and I cannot emphasize this enough, first and foremost, learn how to use weapons safely. I am not going to go into all the safety advice today, but you don't just run out and start shooting. I'm Rambo. Until you can use it safe, you don't use it at all. Always. Safety, 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 safety. Because they can be dangerous in the wrong hand. But learn how to use it safely. Practice with it whenever you can. I understand time and money and definitely ammo don't grow on trees right now. I get that. Ammo shortage. So prices are through the roof. I understand all that. You have to carry a weapon when possible. It. I can't drive it home enough. Things are changing. We are dividing. The left is not only getting more radicalized, the media and Democratic Party are pushing them harder and harder that way. And it's not just, you know, it's not just some low-level idiot congressman. It's not just AOC anymore. We have Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, talking about the 25th Amendment and and removal of the president. That is so absurd for the Speaker of the House to talk like that. And there there is collateral damage when the Speaker of the House talks like that. When she talks like that, everybody in the Democrat Media Alliance feels like they can talk like that. And if everybody starts talking like that, then it only takes one or two unstable dudes to go out and do something crazy again. There's a lot of crazy out there. There's a lot still of unemployment out there. Bankruptcy. Drug and alcohol use through the roof, especially over the last few months. And I'm not just talking about myself. (laughs) Quit, Chris. We can make jokes. But in all seriousness, mental health, breaking, addiction, going up, unemployment, going up, financial stress, going up. And don't roll your eyes about financial stress. You look into, and this is going to be really dark and really ugly, I'm sorry, but you go talk to a cop about these domestic violence calls they'll go out on or domestic dispute calls. Go talk to a cop about them. Please. They're not all the time about somebody's crackhead sister or something. Financial problems cause people to mentally break. Financial problems 
are some of the most stressful problems out there. I think I'll have to look this up again. I think for the longest time it was listed as the number one cause of divorce in America. And we have so much bankruptcy and financial strain still coming. I'm not trying to be bleak, and I'm moving off of this in a second. I am telling you again, though, consider this one long hour and a half PSA. Get a weapon and protect yourself. Protect yourself. It's nuts out there, especially if you're one of these people who goes to these political protests. And that's fine if you do. That's your God-given American right. Don't let these insane leftists intimidate you away from doing that stuff. You go peacefully protest. Don't be standing in traffic like an idiot or something like that. Go. Let your voice be heard, please. But stay safe. Arm yourself. That's two Trump supporters in a month. One, executed, shot in the head, streets of Portland. Two, shot in the eye, streets of Denver. Look around you. What's happening out there? Protect yourself. And last but not least, I know you've heard me say it before. I'm going to say it again. I am all about throwing your kids into the maw and having them learn about life. Do not bring your kids to these protests, period. End of story. I see these videos out there of people on the right of, ah, oh, these people on the left, they, they pepper sprayed my daughter. What the heck are you doing with your daughter there? Of course they pepper sprayed your daughter. These people are monsters. They would do it again in a heartbeat. All right. Hang on. Your car is going to break down. No, not today. Well, hopefully not today, I guess I I should say. I mean, phone screener Mitchell isn't here. Guess why? Car broken down today. So, look, I hope it doesn't happen to you, but it's going to happen sooner or later. What they all do. And the truth is this. Car... Repairs these days more than ever before cost an absolute fortune because of the advanced technology in the vehicles. You know about that time my electrical went out in my truck steering wheel, a little electrical board, $600 later. I am never without an auto protection plan, and you shouldn't be either. It can save you a fortune on covered repairs and go get Car Shield because they're America's number one. CarShield.com. Again, that's CarShield.com. Do not forget to use the code JESSE. Save you 10%. Joining me now to unpack all this lunacy 
Michael Malice, host of Your Welcome, joining me as he does every single Monday. Michael, before we get to all this Supreme Court show trial stuff, which I'm not really that interested in, the violence. I, I, I get a lot of people who think this violence all stops after the election, that this is just a, you know, this thing in Denver, all this stuff is just a little election year blip with crazy people. Is that true? Uh, no, that's not. Crazy people, by definition, are not capable of sustained activity because their mental processes are not in touch with reality. So at a certain point, their behaviors will collapse on themselves, right? So uh, crazy people need some kind of systemic support, Pol Pot, Stalin, or whomever, in order to maintain their hold on power. So if you have crazy people acting in an antisocial way, for an extended period of time in a free society, there's no way they can do this without the tacit uh, structural support of some other entity. Okay, what is the entity? What what or entities? Because it looks to me like they have all of them. It looks like the Democratic Party top down supports them. The media supports them. Corporate America supports them. Uh, is there some the FBI is up there talking about white supremacist violence? I've never even seen a white supremacist in my life. What? Who doesn't support them? Oh, you haven't been? I, I was at Charlottesville. You've never been? It's the new Milan, uh, as research for my book. No, uh, <laughs> there, it, I, you know perfectly well, and I think most of your listeners know, that uh, certain types of um, antisocial behavior are of great use politically. And this isn't necessarily just strictly for leftism, uh, in order for people to maintain their agenda. I mean, if you're a law and order candidate, for example, and there, there's a lot of crime, it's going to behoove you to present yourself as the one who's going to be able to stop and put down this crime. Now, it's very clear that these riots, this unrest could have been put down overnight. Uh, President Trump was very, very smart for not taking the bait and sending the tanks and for publicly pointing out that people like the mayors in, you know, in, in Portland and, and places like that, look, just give us a call. We'll put a stop to this and we'll do it very, very swiftly. And if you're not making that call, you're not basically taking your kid to the doctor. You are you know, happy this is happening or indifferent this is happening. Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, uh, when she was asked about what's going on with this crime rates through the roof, not that they were low to begin with, in Chicago, she blamed the NRA. And gun control laws. So even if let's pretend gun control laws are causing these things to happen, they haven't changed in the last two years. So what is causing this spike in crime? So these people have no problem just shifting blame endlessly and wringing their hands. Whereas uh, I'm a New Yorker, things are getting sort of quality of life uh, matter uh, pretty bad pretty quick, and they're perfectly fine with it. And de Blasio's answer is to spray paint in giant letters the phrase Black Lives Matter in front of Trump Tower as oh, an answer. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I obviously know Michael Malice, the anarchist. He is not a conservative. He's an anarchist. I obviously know you wouldn't want Trump to send in the tanks. Oh, I would. But, oh, no, no, no. Oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, no, I would. But I would think I'd be sending I'd be sending in the tanks for people that I'm not allowed to say publicly. It's not <laughs> just the activist. All right. Well, don't uh, do that. Let me clarify this. I think it looks weak as a nation if you allow, and I do think it matters, if you allow consistent domestic terrorism over the course of months. Uh, look, I, I don't love the federal government storming in anywhere either. However, how can you allow that as a nation? How can you go on that way without, I mean, that looks terrible, dude. 
Oh, it, oh, absolutely. I mean, this is there's just no arguing with what you just said. Um, at a certain point, look, it's it's what got Giuliani into office back in the '90s out of the Manhattan Institute, which is a think tank. They, the concept was broken window policy, which is if you live in a neighborhood and you see that there's a window that's broken, and it's been that way for ten years, uh, you know that people aren't really caring about the quality of life in that neighborhood. And that's very correlated with things like, you know, high crime. Uh, people on the left try to pretend that fare evasion, where people jump the turnstile to subways and don't pay their fare, is a function of poverty. The fare is not that high. It's a function of I'm just going to do whatever I want. And this just happened yesterday here in New York. Someone was blasting their music on the bus. And when the bus driver told him, stop playing the radio, he said, it's not louder than anyone else who's talking this bus. Keep driving the bus. So when you're at that, at that person, the next stand deviation is him assaulting the bus driver. So very quickly, when people are comfortable assaulting ostensible figures of authority, they certainly are going to be comfortable assaulting laymen and robbing them and doing worse. So things de-escalate very, very quickly. There's certainly, a, you and I would certainly agree, Lord of the Flies is a bit of a documentary. Uh, and, and this per- perfectly behooves those who want to rule over a chaotic system and to represent uh, the state. What's the future of New York City? And I, I say this as somebody, everybody knows I'm a New York City freak. It's like one of my favorite places in the world. When I'm going there, it just puts a big smile on my face. Last time I was there, five, six months ago maybe, you could see the degeneration of New York City easily before any of the COVID stuff. What's its future? Ice and Vice, which is wherever I go to travel, I always go to the cool ice cream places. Ice and Vice is the best place I've ever been to. They're closing down. Uh, Century 21, the clothing store where I was a kid sitting there bored because uh, my mom would be shopping as an immigrant for savings on clothes. After my entire lifetime, they're closing down. We have a mayor who's a Sandinista who has engaged in more systemic damage toward this city than Mohammed Atta has. I'm not joking. He'll be out next year. New York is tough. New York has survived worse. But I don't know how long, I don't know when we've hit the, the trough, and I don't know when we start uh, um, spiking up again in terms of positive growth. So it's, it's pray for New York people. It's really, really bad. What are we, uh, what's a Sandinista? We are a history show. We like to give people a little little extra knowledge. What is it? Describe for people. Oh. Uh, it was, in, I believe, in Nicaragua. There was a group of uh, literal communist uh, um, agitators who were trying to engage in revolution, and and uh, De Blasio flew down there and kind of gave them support. So when people talk about like uh, democratic socialism, no, 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 they're. There, Bernie Sanders going to the Soviet Union with, you know, how they put down uh, um, uprisings in Hungary and Czech, uh, Czechoslovakia. So they're perfectly happy uh, sending the tanks when it suits them. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, you exactly. know what? I don't know that we've ever actually talked about the elections. We get into so much other more interesting stuff. How do you see it? We, Trump losing, winning, Biden. What's happening? Uh, I I think you, I, I th- the thing is five minutes ago. We were all arguing about whether Biden is going to not do the debate. And now Trump is refusing, understandably, not do the second debate because they changed the rules unilaterally. I think there's going to be some major, major event between now and November. And I don't know what that's going to look like. We also remember not that long ago, Jesse, it was a given that Bernie Sanders was going to be the nominee. Remember, he was ahead in all the polls on Super Tuesday. So I think things are going to get really weird really quickly, especially uh, after Amy Amy is uh, sworn into the Supreme Court. Ooh, major event. Are we talking war, disease, famine? I know you don't know. Go ahead and call it, though, just in case. We'll record it. 
Uh, I will predict that a major political figure will not be with us by November 4th. If I had to gun to my head, if I had to make a guess, something would happen. Gosh, that's terrible. But you know what? Everybody listening right now had the exact same thought I just did. Oh, that's awful. Oh, but I can see it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's what went through everybody's. Honestly, it was the first thing I thought. I was like, oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I'm of course. Stephen Breyer, I, I wish him nothing but long life and health, but Stephen Breyer's 83. And we could very easily see something happening there. Gosh, jeez. I mean, look, people forget about him. Look, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, and look, I despise Trump, these President people, everybody, Trump. but I don't want something to happen to. Oh man, this. Oh, good grief, that'd be terrible. It's not Ma- impossible. Michael Malice, where can people get more of your stuff? Uh, Twitter.com/slash Michael Malice and YouTube.com Michael Malice official. Always a pleasure, Jesse. Awesome as always, my man. Talk soon. Bye. It does kind of feel like something big is coming. Oh, that would suck. Please don't let somebody die. We really don't need this whole thing to descend into anarchy. And when I say somebody, I mean one of the people dying, not that their lives are any more important than yours, certainly not more important than mine. I mean somebody dying that's just going to set off some powder keg about something. Oh, gosh, can you imagine? Well, this has been a sunny show, Chris. Hang on. out catch up jessekellyshow.com home title theft is devastating people I, I don't i don't have a better way to put it it's devastating people getting people evicted from their homes and that's the worst part about it because these people are innocent i mean you're innocent i, I don't want it to happen to you but you can't you can't do anything about it besides get home title lock. Your home title is vulnerable. It's online now. Therefore, it's vulnerable. And these home, these these thieves, these cyber thieves, if they get it, they'll take a loan out against it after they forge your signature on it. And you, you'll start getting late notices in the mail for a loan you didn't take out, so you'll ignore them. And eventually, there's a big fat eviction notice on your door. And you're looking around wondering what the heck went wrong. Don't let it happen. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Don't forget to use the code RADIO. Get you 30 days for free. Enough of all that nonsense. Let's focus on. I mean, like, there's so much. There's so much great stuff out there to focus on. There's so much greatness in this world. So let's focus on me. Chris, what? Ah. I am agonizing over something at the moment. I shouldn't say agonizing because these are high class problems to have. But I kind of want to move, but I also don't want to move. I'm in a home. We're very happy in our home. I mean, believe me, 
my home is exactly what you think it is. It's nothing fancy. It's a normal home. Normal, normal three-bedroom house. Me, the wife, two bad sons. Now that stupid dog. It's just a normal house. If you walked in, you'd not be all, wow, this is not what I expected from my king or whatever. I mean, it's whatever you call me. It's fine. I thought the Shogun would have something different. But there's a house. Now, we love our neighborhood, remember. Love our neighborhood because we get along so well with our neighbors. As I've told you before, people in our neighborhood, not just with us, we vacation with each other. Like, it's that kind of neighborhood. So we will not move out of the neighborhood. However, I'm dying to get the kids some kind of a pool because it is so – what's happening is it's so miserable hot here. and The, the weather in Houston's awful. Everybody knows I like Houston. The weather is indefensively bad. It's it's subtropical, skin melting heat. It's it's just it's awful. And in the summertime, what happens is see other people, other places, you get skinnier in the summertime, lots of time. You're going to the pool, you're going to the beach, working on that beach body a little because you don't want to be cupcaking it in the swim trunks by the pool. That's that's the norm. That's the the human experience. Get fat in the winter, get better looking, skinnier in the summertime. That's the norm. Places like Houston are different. It's actually the opposite. We are coming up on weather, hopefully in a week or two, where it will finally be pleasant enough outside to be enjoyed. Shut up, Chris. Yes, we are. I can hope for the best. Whatever, where it will finally be pleasant enough outside to go back outside and enjoy yourself. In the summer here, it's so miserable that you stay inside too much in the summer, especially with these coronavirus lockdown idiocy things. You stay inside too much and you get fat in the summertime here. You get fat, not just fat, I'm not talking about appearance wise, I'm not getting fat, don't worry. But you stay inside on the weekends. Look, I work all week just like you do. Kids go to school all week. Weekend time finally hits. Wake up on Saturday morning. Nice little breakfast with the fam. Relax. Hey, let's go out and, uh, well, I don't know. It's 95 degrees with 195% humidity. What's enjoyable for an extended period of time? You stay in and you stay inactive too much. I don't like that. I don't like it for me. I don't like it for the fam. However, remember when I told you our home is modest? Well, I don't have room to put in a pool. I've already got, I mean, financing worked out and everything for the pool. I've got credit score for it. Score master, what have I been telling you about? Never mind. I've got credit for it. Everything's fine. I'm going to get the financing for the pool. Scoremaster.com slash Jesse, by the way. Make sure you take care of your credit score. Please, please take care of your credit score. I got three approvals for my pool loan in 10 minutes. They're now calling me. Anyway. I don't have the room for it. I need a bigger backyard. But I don't want to move out of my neighborhood, so I'm restricted to buying a home within the same neighborhood that also has a pool or room for a pool. I understand that's the most limited thing in the world. Honestly, once we decided that, we decided, okay, so we're never moving. 
Let's just accept we're never moving, and that's fine. Look, I obviously don't need any of this stuff. This is just basic want things. You try to upgrade here and there. Of course, lo and behold, wake up uh, Saturday morning. Got the wife staring at me, and I can tell it's one of those stares of, I'm about to ask him for something. So I was like, all right, what, what is it? You know, that's all they do is ask. They manipulate you every time. They look at you with those puppy dog eyes and they ask. And you're like, oh, okay, whatever you want. That's why I could never have a daughter, Chris. A daughter would own me. I have no problem with the sons. A daughter would own me. And I know she would. Either way, there's a house for sale just popped up right here in the neighborhood. I want to go do a walkthrough. Now, I'm just placating her at the time. I don't have anything else to do. I want to get out of the house anyway. I'm bored. So I'm like, all right, well, let me take a quick shower. We'll run over there. It's obviously not something I'm going to buy, right? We go walk through the house, and it's perfect. And I know it's one of those things I'm getting the feeling in the pit of my stomach as I walk through it. I know, like, two minutes in. Oh, crap. Hang on. I'll continue in a second. credit score can't just be a sometimes thing. You need to make sure your credit score is ready at a moment's notice. I, I, As I've laid out, I'm buying a home, maybe. They needed my credit score in five minutes. I got over, I got this email and it was, okay, we need to get you pre-approved. You have to have a pre-approval letter to even put it in offer. Credit score, step one, not even step three, step one. What's your name and social? Give me your credit score. Go to ScoreMaster today. Whether you're buying that car tomorrow or home tomorrow or anything, you don't know what's coming. But go to ScoreMaster today. The average ScoreMaster user can raise their credit score 61 points in 20 days or less. That's absurd. ScoreMaster.com slash Jesse. That's ScoreMaster.com slash Jesse. I'm in this house for like two minutes. And the problem is, see, the wife is very polite. So the realtor's right there as you're walking through. So she feels the need to compliment things anyway. I'm not. I'm as you know, I, I'm very rude. I don't have I don't have a soul. So I don't feel the need. If I tell you it sucks, I just tell you if I feel like it sucks, I actually feel like it's more polite for me to just say I don't like it, it's not for me. I know it's for me. I'm, I know it's perfect. I know it's so perfect I can't even talk. Like, I can't bring myself to complain about it, Chris, which I will usually do in front of the realtor anyway. You know, downsell it a little bit. I'm walking through, and this is nice. And Oh, I like that kitchen layout. We walk out back. Swimming pool already in. 
So I decide we're taking the plunge. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Decide we're going to try to buy the house. Now, when I say try to buy... Just know that I do, I have so many skills and talents, Chris. I mean, there are too many to list, but one of the things I actually am really good at is real estate. I have my old man to thank for that. Like I said, we lived in 10 houses in 10 years when I was a kid once. That's what he did. He bought a house. He could spot value a mile away. He would buy a house, turn around, sell it, make money. That's how he was trying to make money and did. And he taught me how to do it. I knew this house was going to sell. And of course, we decide we're going to try to buy it. There are multiple people who are putting in offers on the home. So you have to get an approval letter these days. What it is is you have to get in touch with a the lender. They have to check your credit score. They have to check your income, check all these things. I mean, you have to get basically a colonoscopy these days to get a home loan. That goes just fine. We get the pre-approval on the letter. Okay, no fine, pre-approval, no problem, pre-approval. And then they send over the kicker. You cannot even comprehend how much of your life these lenders require these days in order to get a home loan. Chris, you would lose your freaking mind. And this is just off the top of my head. This is not all of it, okay? We're talking W-2s for years. Um, pay stubs. For a long time, uh, complete employment history, any assets you own, anything you've invested. I mean, you have that gold IRA from Gold Alliance, which I hope you do by now. You better send them a statement saying, I have a gold IRA from Gold Alliance. You have to have absolutely all of it. And then after you go through all this, this was, I mean, it was a lot of, it was hours worth of work last night. We're pulling together files. And of course, because I'm a dude, I don't know where anything is. So I had to I had to have the old ball and chain, gather some stuff up and I'm uploading whatnot. We, we do all this and all this, maybe for not. They're apparently opening up all the, the offers on the home tonight. And then they say they'll give us an answer. Mark my words. They call me the Oracle for a reason. I guarantee I have this right. I'll be back on the radio tomorrow. I know exactly how this is going to go. You want to know how it's going to go, Chris? Because I've been through this before. Or on the other end, but I've been through this before. Homeowner finds out, oh, good, multiple bids on the home. All these real estate agents, smartly, I'm not not criticizing them. I love real estate. It's a great, great business. Highly recommend it. They all smartly wanting to make a little more money. The selling real estate agent decides, whoa, 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 whoa. 
don't accept these offers. Don't tell anybody where they fall in the offer. Tell everybody now, we have multiple offers, very good offers. Get your best offer in. And remember this. When you do this, you have no idea what the other offers are. You have no idea whether the other guy offered 20 grand less than Mar- than what he was asking for. You don't know if the other guy offered 30 grand more. And I've seen that. Offers more than asking price, which is insane to me. But you've seen things like this. You have no clue about the financing situation. What if this guy has cash? Which I can't believe people. I can't believe the amount of money some people have. But I had a neighbor one time. He sold his home and he had multiple offers. And this guy was offering this, and this guy was offering that. He got one guy a full price offer. I think this house was like four hundred grand. It was a nice house, cash. Obviously, he didn't bring it to him in a suitcase. It was you know wired to him. I mean, I don't know how much cash you have laying around. Four hundred thousand dollars cash. <laughs> that is serious cash, right, Chris? Is that weird? I mean, I'll tell you. Maybe it's just because I didn't grow up with any money. That sounds like such a gargantuan amount of money to have cash for me. That's he's dealing drugs or something, right? Once you get to that much, well, you don't think so? You, once you get to that much money, surely you're investing in something. Yeah, I guess he could have just taken a loan out against his own stuff. Okay, all right, whatever the case may be. So now, what will happen is tonight. Everybody will have to get back together and reassess, you know, what they offer. Should we offer more multiple offers? And here's what's going to happen. Mark my words, Chris. They're not going to open tonight. They'll come back with what I just said. Oh, oh, get in your best offer now. We'll do it Tuesday night. And the wife is going to give me the long face tonight about upping my offer. And I'm not upping my offer. I'm not changing a thing. And just a heads up, just so you know. If I want something, I go get it. Period. I, I just I that's how I operate a lot in life, within reason, obviously. So my first offer, in my opinion, was more than generous. There won't be a second one. There won't be a second one. I may adjust something here or there, but the wife's gonna give you the long face tonight. Oh, can we add a thousand dollars? No, we cannot, and we will not. But it's not coming until tomorrow. Now, here's the question I have. And this is actually a question for the audience. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. As you know, I got all your emails, I should mention. Chris printed them all out for me. That stack is getting larger. But I still, you can ask Chris. I, actually, you can't ask Chris. You can't ever talk to Chris. But you can ask Chris. He printed them out, and I read every single one of them this morning. Like I told you, I do. You send it. I will read it. I'm undoubtedly not going to email you back, but I will read it. And yes, uh, gentlemen, I got your criticism of my Stonewall Jackson episode trying to claim he wasn't eccentric. Did I come off as critical in Stonewall and uh, Stonewall on that one, Chris? I think Stonewall's a stud. I thought I was completely complimentary. In my opinion, he's one of the great generals, great Americans ever. But apparently I wasn't quite complimentary enough. Anytime you dig into the Civil War, people get upset about it. I love it. Anyway, I loved your email. It was awesome. It was awesome. But don't tell me he wasn't an eccentric. 
He thought black pepper made his leg itch. The dude was an eccentric. Get serious. It was not to be an in, not meant to be an insult. That's how God made him. He's an eccentric. Anyway, emails. If we actually get the home, the home is like half a mile from my house. Remember, I won't move out of my neighborhood. Am I going to have to pay to have movers come move? I under, no, hold on, Chris. I'm not trying to be cheap like you. I won't be made to be you. I'm fine with paying movers, but am I going to have to get one of those big semi-truck moving vans like normal to move a half mile away? Is there some short-distance moving service out there that will move you? You know, you understand what I mean, Chris? I don't need a semi all day long. I mean, you could make you know, 10 trips back and forth in an open flatbed truck. It is that close moving back and forth. What am I going to have to pay for? And I realize I sound like Chris right now, nickel and diming on the move when I'm upgrading homes. I want to know. Chris, that was maybe the dumbest idea you've ever had. Chris just told me to move all my stuff, set it outside of the new house, and have the movers come move it in. Let me clarify something, Chris. I have moved... Eight trillion times in my life. Stairs, safes, pianos, couches. I mean, myself and others. I honestly, this is no joke. I have been physically involved in probably moving over 20 times in my life. I'm not doing that ever again. And if I had to do it ever again, I wouldn't move. I'm done doing that. I'm done doing it. Someone else is moving my stuff. My question is, am I going to have to drop all the cash it takes to move when I'm just going a half a mile away. I am, aren't I? And am I going to have to box everything up? Why do I have to box it up? I can just start driving up and down the road. Maybe I'll just throw everything in my pickup. No, it's not going to work. Jesse Kelly returns next. Home title theft is probably the worst cybercrime out there, at least in my mind, at least for something that's happening to everyday people. Because I, I think I put it into my own life and how I would think of it if I had to come home tonight after work. Let's say, let's say I'm done with the radio today. Get all done, meetings and whatnot, hop in my truck, drive home, and I'm thinking about it the whole way home. And I walk in my house, and I have to tell my wife and my kids, pack a bag, we're being evicted. The questions they would have for me and the the lack of answers I would have for them, that's what home title theft is doing to people. Do not let it happen to you. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Do not forget to use the code RADIO. Get you 30 days for free. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. 
The Jesse Kelly Show. Just told me it takes a year to make prosciutto. Chris is, as you know, everybody knows Chris is Jewish. Okay, he doesn't spend money on anything. I told you before, this is the most Jewish thing in the history of Jewish things. He made his own menorah with wood he found on the side of the road because he wouldn't just go buy one. He works on his own cars. He do, he just does all his own stuff. Because it saves money. Okay, fine. Whatever. He is what he is. We accept him. On top of that, he makes his own food. Now, I know you're going to find this shocking. He makes bagels. They're actually outstanding bagels, to be honest. Which, again, like we've talked about, that's what that's one of the things you people do really well. We're thrilled about that, Chris. But he also looks into making weird stuff, like prosciutto. Now, when I say weird, this is what I mean. I'm not anti-prosciutto. I enjoy the flavor of prosciutto. Generally, I don't buy it because it's so expensive, which I always found was weird. I couldn't figure out, you know, why it was so expensive. And it turns out that's why it takes forever to make the daggone thing. And look, this hurts me to say it. Let's be honest about where we are. Let's be honest about prosciutto. It's kind of hard to eat. It's kind of, you know what I'm talking about, Chris? You always bite off more than you really think you should. And then it's so chewy, you feel like you're choking to death when you eat it. Don't tell me I'm the only one who's felt this, Chris. I understand it's thin slice. That's not the point. The thin slice is not the point at all. The point of it is, it doesn't matter how thin something is. If you stuff enough of it in your mouth, you're going to choke. Stop, Chris. Gosh. But seriously, you choke on it a lot. You know, you know, we're just going to move on if you can't be mature. We're just going to move on. Do you have the the Jake Tapper audio? I do have to bring this up. It is fascinating to me watching this Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, not answering the question about court packing dynamic. And this is why I find it so fascinating. They have all the poll numbers. They're public. Not that it's surprising at all, but the public in general is dead set against packing the court. Adding a bunch of justices to the court to suit yourself and whatnot. The public is dead set against it. Overwhelmingly. It's one of the few issues in this country that there's like 75% agreement on. The numbers are that bad. Do not pack the court. People don't like it. Don't pack the court. Don't pack the court. Biden and now Harris have been asked repeatedly, are you going to pack the court? I bet you're going to pack the court. Don't pack the court. And they refuse to answer the question. Openly, you remember it from the debate. You remember it from Kamala Harris's debate. They're just not answering the question. This is why that's so wild. Almost never, 
as a political candidate, are you handed a question about a political issue that voter-wise so clearly has one right answer and one wrong answer? It just never happens. Uh, uh, Donald Trump, uh, tell me what you feel about abortion. Whatever he feels, whatever you feel, you know my thoughts on the issue very well. No matter what, that politician knows, uh, I'm about to make 50% of the people really mad and 50% of the people really happy. You are hardly ever answered a question. Uh, uh, Producer Chris, do you believe in torturing and killing puppies? You just, you don't get questions like that in politics because of the political divide. So Biden is actually being handed the biggest softball in the world. Just say you won't court pack. It's what the public wants. Everyone knows it. The polls all show it. It's what you, it's what you should do. So he, and he knows that too. But Democrats now, this is actually frightening when you think about it. They're so petrified of their absolutely radical leftist base that it doesn't allow them to take an obvious stance on an issue that they should take. Do you understand how amazing that is? Joe Biden, this is, this is, let me simplify it. Joe Biden is actively decreasing his chance to be president of the United States of America because he's that scared of his leftist base. That is amazing. Amazing. Jake Tapper, even. Jake Tapper's grilling him on it. Not constitutional what they're doing. How is it not constitutional what they're doing? His point is that the people have an opportunity to weigh in on this constitutional process through their vote. And we are now in the midst of the election. Millions of people have already cast their votes. And you see that the vast majority of people say that they want the person who wins the election on November 3rd to nominate the justice. That's a poll. That's not the Constitution. So by by trying to by trying to that's that is their their, there's the constitutional process of advising consent. The American people get to have their say by voting for president, by voting for senators. We are now 23 days from the election. But it's not unconstitutional. Millions of millions of votes, millions of votes. They're being voters are being denied their constitutional right to have a say in this process. They elected the Republicans are trying to ram through are trying to ram through a, a nominee who, by the way, is going to change the makeup of the court. And we see time and time again, poll after poll shows that most Americans vehemently disagree with this. They again, believe again, Kate, that's that a the poll. vote should happen on November 3rd. That's not what the word constitutional means. Cons- constitutional the- doesn't mean I like it, it or I don't like it. It means it's according to the U.S. Constitution. There's nothing unconstitutional about what the U.S. Senate is doing. But here's the point when it comes to constitutional, unconstitutional. We know it's unconstitutional. Virtually everything Democrats do now is unconstitutional. 90% of the things Republicans do are unconstitutional, if we're being frank. The point is they're taking a position, or I should say not taking an obvious position, because the radical leftists are that scared now. Are that powerful now, I should say, of the oh, uh, in the Democratic Party. You would never in the history of the Democratic Party see a position like that. 
ever. It's political insanity. And we've talked about this before. Time, time is one of those things that we don't look at enough. Age of people. We don't look at it enough. Chris, you better not eat all my chips. I got us breakfast tacos. You guys are not going to believe this. I got Chris and I breakfast tacos and chips and queso during the break. I've been sitting here talking on the radio for 10 minutes, watching Chris just level the bag of chips and queso. There better be chips and queso in there by the time I take a break. (laughs) That's not right. See that? That's the first time you all have ever heard producer Chris on the show. That's not right what you just did. It's not right. Anyway, Bill Clinton, even, you know what, even, dare I say it, Barack Obama would have told his radical base, sit down and shut up. I have to win. Not anymore, because the Democratic Party's too old and the young leftist radicals are taking over. Gold is not a new thing. Not sure if you're aware of that. I'm, I'm kidding. You listen to my show. I know you're aware of that. Gold has been, well, making the world go round for some time now. Do you think that that has stopped? Do you think that we've moved on to some new era that's never existed before where money is this and money is that? But no, not gold. Oh, no. Gold's still there. And a thousand years from now, Gold's still going to be there and still worth something. I'm not telling you to go throw a bunch of gold bars in your basement. I'm just telling you to buy a gold IRA from Gold Alliance. Gold IRAs are fantastic. It's a very safe way to diversify and grow your portfolio and backstop yourself against, well, the worst. Go to goldalliance.com slash jesse. That's goldalliance.com slash jesse. I like that queso. That's good queso. Yes, I did get to some before Chris ate it all. Chris claims it's unfair I added bacon to it because that unfairly improves everything, which is probably fair. That in and of itself is fair. Let's ask Cam Edwards about that. Joining us now, Cam Edwards, BearingArms.com. Cam, as a bacon aficionado, to put it mildly, you actually make your own. What's your take on adding bacon to something, making it unfair? Uh, my response is life is not fair. And you're right. Bacon does make everything better. So the uh, the anti-baconistas out there can, well, this is family for the radio, so I can't say what they'll do. Uh, they can go eat some kale, Jeff. Absolutely. Absolutely, Cam. See, Cam and I, we are on the same wavelength. Cam, we're not even talking about the Amy Coney, Coney Barrett stuff today. I just, it's, I find all the political theater now. Maybe I'm just jaded. I find it to be all boring. A bunch of senators up there going for 15 minutes of television so they can send it out in a fundraiser five minutes from now. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, especially the today, which is, you know, the opening statements of every senator on the Judiciary Committee, uh, and then the opening statement of Amy Coney Barrett. You know, maybe there's going to be uh, something worthwhile that happens during the questioning of, of Barrett, but I, I, I doubt it. And you're right. This is an opportunity for, you know, politicians to grandstand and pontificate. And as you say, get their press releases out there. I've already seen this from Senator Blumenthal from Connecticut, who uh, says that if, if Amy Coney Barrett's on the bench, that, you know, every Connecticut gun law is in jeopardy. And, oh, my gosh, you know, she's going to be arming toddlers with machine guns. Um, I mean, that's the type of, you know, in, insanity that we're hearing from folks who are, you know, at the bottom line. I mean, they're just opposed to President Trump putting anybody on the bench. It doesn't matter who it is. I'd actually be okay with arming toddlers with machine guns to an extent, <laughs> to an extent. Cam, Cam, I find this Biden court packing question really fascinating for this reason. I was just telling the audience about it, that the obvious, obvious choice politically, if you're trying to be president, is to come out against court packing. The public is overwhelmingly against it. Honestly, on both sides, people were just against it. Yet he's so scared of his leftist base, he won't take the obvious, easy political softball that has a better chance of making him president? I've never seen anything like this. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. Uh, you know, it, it, it shows, I think, the weakness of the Biden campaign, which is basically, you know, Biden doesn't want to say anything or do anything. He just wants to sit in the basement, uh, repeat as, you know, much political pablum as possible and, and let Trump be the focus of this election. And as long as we're talking about Trump, Biden feels like he's winning. If we're talking about Biden's thoughts on court packing, uh, then Biden is losing. The problem for Biden is that by refusing to answer, as you say, this very simple and legitimate question, Biden has now made this an issue all on its own. Uh, if Biden had come out and had said, no, I don't believe that we should pack the court, all right, well, that issue goes away. If Biden had come out and said, you know what, we're going to consider things, um, then at least voters would know. And frankly, in this news cycle, Jesse, it would probably be a 24-hour story. And then we move on to something else. Uh, but because Biden is refusing to answer this, we've now been talking about Biden and court packing for well over a week now. Do you think he continues it, Cam? Or do you think they wake up eventually and think, OK, we're, we're hurting ourselves here? I, 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 clearly, this is something the Trump campaign's not going to let go of. So do you think he knows this? I think he knows it, but I also think his advisors are telling him, run out the clock. That, you know, you keep talking about coronavirus, you keep talking about COVID, you keep talking about anything but court packing. If it, if it comes up, say, I've already told you my answer, I'm not going to change my answer, uh, and, and stall, you know, because we're less than a month away from the election now. And I think that, uh, I, I think this is baked into the cake. I don't think that uh, Biden's going to change his stated opinion, uh, even though I think, you know, we all know that by Biden refusing to answer this, he is open to the idea of packing the court. And will likely go along with whatever Democrats in the Senate do. If they manage to take back control of the Senate, Joe Biden is going to be a rubber stamp for Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and Dianne Feinstein and whatever the Democrats come up with. Cam, the shooting in Denver. I know we don't know the details. I'm not going into all of it because the details seem to change minute by minute here. But one thing we do know is yet another Trump supporter, person on the right, is dead now because he got shot in the head. He is not the first one to die over the last four years. It seems like this is getting worse, not better. Is that just in my head, or is it getting worse? You know, it's 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 hard to tell. Um, I, I think that certainly, you know, since the uh, the unrest and the protests and the violence began 
in our city streets after the death of uh, George Floyd, things have gotten worse um, just in terms of the, you know, the, the, the sort of mutual combat that we've seen on both sides. As you say, this case in, in Colorado, there are a lot of details that have yet to come out. But, you know, based on, on what we've seen, I got to tell you, Jesse, I, mean, I, I think the self-defense argument is going to run into some problems here. And, you know, uh, I, I think that Surely, uh, if you are a Trump supporter, you know, you need to be careful right now because people have, you know, there are some folks on the other side who have simply lost their mind. I mean, they're suffering from Trump derangement syndrome. We've seen these attempts to go out and attack people who are exercising their First Amendment rights. As you say, we've seen people who have just been, you know, shot dead in the street, uh, which is, you know, an argument for the right of self-defense in its own right. But, you know, I, I think that Americans should be concerned about what is happening here. And, you know, we, we'll, we'll see how this plays out uh, in Colorado. But the fact that this guy's uh, facing charges, what we've seen on video, it certainly doesn't look like this guy was uh, in, in fear of his life or great bodily injury when he chose to, to shoot this Trump supporter. And I'm, uh, I'm very curious to see how this plays out. Kim, what does that mean, be more careful, take care of yourself? What, 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 what can the average everyday person do better than they're doing right now? You know, I, I think that folks do need to think about whether or not they are carrying a firearm for self-defense. Um, certainly we have seen gun ownership explode this year across the country. Uh, the number of concealed carry holders, according to the Crime Prevention Resource Centers, increased by about 820,000. From this time last year, unfortunately, Jesse, there are a lot of of jurisdictions where you're going to be waiting months and months to get your concealed carry license if you try to apply today Uh, because, you know, a lot of sheriff's offices have shut down or they're limiting their their hours now. Uh, And so you look at like Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, if you call the sheriff's office and say, hey, I want to come in and apply for my concealed carry license, they'll say, "Okay, we're accepting uh, appointments for March of 2021 right now. Philadelphia, you're waiting at least a year in order to apply to get your concealed carry license. Um, So that's not going to be an automatic option for a lot of people. And so I I think you also have to think about, you know, situational awareness. Are are you putting yourself in a position where there are going to be a bunch of, you know, angry Antifa types who are out of control? Uh, And is that a place where you should be? Is that a place where you need to be? Uh, I certainly, you know, if I'm going out and I'm exercising my First Amendment rights, and I know that there are going to be those, uh, you know, those, those individuals who are agitators and violent actors on the other side. Um, I'm certainly not bringing my kids to something like that. And I'm, I'm going to, if I go, I'm going to be very aware of the potential uh, for violence being directed at me because of my political point of view. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up. And actually, I hate to ask you this today, Cam. Do you think you could stay over for, over for one quick question? Because I had my big question today is people see all this violence out there happening to people in cars. And I think people... People need a little more education on a weapon in a car. Do you have just a quick second for us? For you, I will stick around. Thank you, brother. Cam Edwards, we'll be right back. Hang on one sec. Maybe the worst part of your car breaking down is trying to find a location that works for you and is also covered by your auto protection company. You see, I've had a bunch of auto protection plans. I'll always have one. You're crazy if you don't. And I've had good ones and I've had bad ones. I've never had one like CarShield. 
car shield, they let me go to the mechanic of my choosing or dealership of my choosing. What's convenient for me? Not what's covered by their certain policy. Oh, I'm sorry, that dealership's not covered. That mechanic's not covered. I pick what works for me. And then Car Shield makes my life easier. That's their job. That's what they do. And they're dang good at it. Go to carshield.com. That's carshield.com. And don't forget while you're there, use the code JESSE. That actually gets you 10% off. A deductible may apply. Jesse Kelly. We are back with Cam Edwards, BearingArms.com. Cam, let me ask you something. What's something people should consider as far as weapons for their car go? What kind of weapon should they use? Should they keep it in their car? Should they lock it in their car? How do you keep it in your car? Sure. You know, a lot of this is going to depend on what state law uh, says, Mm -hmm. because it does vary from state to state as to whether or not you need a concealed carry license in order to transport a firearm in your car. You might have to transport it, you know, locked and unloaded. Uh, other states will allow you to, uh, to to have a firearm in your car, even if you don't have a concealed carry license. Um, you know, I, I think generally speaking, you know, what you're looking at is you want, if you're carrying a firearm for self-defense, you want to make sure that it's one that you're comfortable with. So I know, you know, a lot of guys who have, you know, fairly big pickup trucks, SUVs, they'll actually throw in a pistol caliber carbine uh, as sort of their, you know, modern day coach gun. Uh, and, and they'll have that with them in their vehicle. Most people, I think, are still going to use a handgun, uh, and that's going to be their, their primary you know, self-defense firearm even when they're traveling. Um, I, I don't recommend you leaving that firearm in your car. We do have uh, you know, people who break into vehicles. They're looking for guns. Uh, that happens you know, fairly commonly where a gun will get stolen out of your vehicle. So you know, I would advise you, don't, don't, don't leave it in your car overnight. Uh, when you go into your house, take that firearm with you. Um, but I, I think that generally speaking, you know, it, it is something that um, a lot of Americans are, are already thinking about. They're already doing, uh, you know, just be sure that you know what the self-defense laws in your state are so that you don't get into, into any trouble. Uh, you know, generally speaking, you need to be in, in great fear of, of bodily harm or imminent death in order for you to use that firearm in self-defense. You do so otherwise, and, you know, you're going to be likely facing criminal charges as a result. Cam, what about my ears? Worried about my ears. I should say people should be a lot more worried about their ears than they are firing a weapon inside of a vehicle. Would you help? <laughs> well, listen, Jesse, I mean, you know, that 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 is uh, something that you do need to think about, I suppose. Um, most people are not going to carry with them ear protection, nor are they going to throw that ear protection on uh, before they have to act in self-defense. But you know, if it is your hearing or your life, I think most people are going to choose to protect their life uh, over their hearing. You know, and, and hopefully nobody finds themselves in a situation where they have to make a choice like that. But I think, you know, when, if you are confronted with a, uh, a situation like that, your life is, is worth preserving more than your hearing. Cam Edwards, BearingArms.com. Thank you, my friend. Very much appreciate you. Always good talking with you, Jesse. Thanks, man. Knox County man faces charges after trying to resurrect his grandmother. 
Anox is jailed after causing nearly $30,000 in damages to a cemetery in an attempt to resurrect his grandmother. (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't. Law enforcement responded on Monday night to reports of vandalism at the church cemetery of Huckleberry Springs Road. Extensive damage, including dig sites and broken headstones, were found. Danny Frazier admitted to destroying some of the property in an attempt to resurrect his grandmother, who's buried at the cemetery. What, Chris? Chris is confused about the multiple dig sites. Now, let me be clear. The only resurrecting I'm really aware of is when Jesus was resurrected after you people murdered him. Obviously, he didn't need any special help. However, somebody who doesn't have title son of God, I'm assuming has to go alternate routes. So when I saw all the time, you see, that part didn't weird me out at all. As soon as I saw alternate dig sites, you know what I thought? He's got to do some like weird things where he's got to get a special ankle bone from someone else and then something. Don't shake your head like you know how to resurrect people. I know how to resurrect people. I've seen Indiana Jones and stuff like that. And I'm telling you, these people have to do weird stuff. And he's going to need weird smokes and things and say some chanty stuff. I know how this works, Chris. But I guarantee you, you know what what this is. The dude was just grave robbing. That's all he was doing. He was grave robbing. And when they busted him, he came up with the only excuse he could think of. I'm trying to resurrect grandma. I kind of respect it. What do you mean, how do you know there's even a body in there? There's always a body in there, isn't there? Yes, there is. I think I think most of the time there is. If you're if you're cremated, you don't get a, a gravestone, do you? You do? I can't decide. You know what? Maybe I do want to be cremated so they can spread my ashes somewhere just obnoxious. What if, no, hear me out. What if, and I understand this would be illegal, I'd have to, I'd have to leave some money in my will to pay the fine, but hear me out here. What if I had myself cremated after I died and then paid one of those crop duster planes to spread my ashes over like a feminist rally or something like that? Tell me that wouldn't be legendary, Chris. And I mean low flying right over the rally, just Jesse Kelly's ashes all over your face. (laughs) Oh, we're going to get complaints to the show. I'm totally doing that, though. I have friends who would do it for free. I'll absolutely pay somebody to do it. And I'll just have to figure out what the, you know, what's what's the fine going to cost me? And then I'll write him a hot check as I die. Here, this should cover the fine. Just one last little dig. What, Chris? It'd be hilarious. The entire show is available on Google, iHeart, Spotify, and iTunes right after the show. Again, you can listen live, but right after the show, it's podcasted up on there. A couple hours after the show, Chris will separate out the Lessons from History segment. For those of you who just like that portion, which I get too, believe me, I'm not, uh, I understand that everybody doesn't have three hours a day to listen to my sultry voice, Chris. Oh, speaking of sultry, did you see this? Sexy, but unreliable. Why women should beware of men with deep voices. This is from The Guardian. Yeah. 
because nobody wants a dude with a high voice. Credit score, credit score, credit score. It matters so much in this life. I wish everybody, I wish they had classes about this for everyone in school. The truth is, if your credit score is in the high 500s, maybe mid, mid 600s, when you buy a car, if you had raised your credit score 61 points, just 61 points, which is the average of what ScoreMaster users do, you could have saved $9,000 on that car loan. Oh, you, you, that makes you sick to your stomach? Think about this. Same situation, a home loan, $100,000 in savings. Your credit score is not just a number. It's money. Go to scoremaster.com slash jesse and start saving piles of it. Scoremaster.com slash jesse. a good idea with the ashes, Chris. Could you get the family to go through with it, though? You know they'd be all, no, can we do something epic? And I'm like, no, that would be epic. That is, is it? Is it not my dead body? Can I have done with it what I want? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's rude. What if, you know what's terrible? Is by then, I'm already in heaven and I'm sitting right next to God and he's looking down at my ashes being spread over a feminist rally and I can just feel him glaring at me. I can already feel it now. I can feel the heat. All right, we're going to do something different. Maybe maybe the Velveeta plant or something. Something much more me. Have I'll have a red lobster hold my hold my ashes in honor of me. Go to iTunes. Leave a five-star review for the show. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am. You know, I read the good ones on the air. We'll be back tomorrow to rock and roll some more, as we do. That's all. Jesse Kelly Show. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. 
just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 